Hello and welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. I'm Steve. But before we start, I'd like to say that whenever Will and I are out on the town together, whether it's at the (laughs) opera or cheering for Aston Villa, we always round off the evening in the same way with a nice relaxing cup of Happy Dreams tea. Happy Dreams tea. One cup and you'll sleep happy with Happy Dreams the whole night through. Sorry, that was just a quick message from our sponsors for this episode. Absolutely fantastic. Well, we are, of course, reviewing Season 5, Episode 24, Sweet Dreams, in which Frasier reacquaints himself with an old friend, protest, both against KACL and the tearing down of beloved bookshop Hershenson's. Steve, firstly, wonderful, wonderful intro. And I know someone on Reddit was missing those, so I'll be glad to hear that uh, is back. But I'm going to ask you a simple one. What do you like on your pizza? Well, am I going to be a pepperoni person like Martin? I am going to be a pepperoni person. You strike me as a pepperoni slash meat feast, man. Yeah. To be quite honest, yeah. I mean, if if there's an option on a pizza menu that says all the meats, I mean, you're going to tick that. I don't even look at the rest of the menu. That's it. Meat, add it on. There's no need. (laughs) Beautiful. What do you you like for a pizza person? Well, I had a couple of friends over last night and we had some czar, as I call it, uh, from Michael Scott. And uh, we had a meat feast. Um, We had a spicy beef. They were basically the same pizza. And a barbecue chicken. Um, The three, absolutely delicious. But more importantly, we went to a pub nearby. And they've got one of those classic converted horse carts that does pizza on certain nights. And they do uh, vegan and gluten-free. So Charles and I will be able to go up one night and and get some pizza, which is lovely. Um, Very nice. You could have half pepperoni, maybe half wrap scallions. Half up scallions. There we go. Um, so very, very nice. But yet, listeners, I don't know, I'm not sure we've ever discussed pizza before, but please get in touch and let us know. Or do you go for a Marholo Mar- Valhalla fusion esque pizza, half of <laughs> Scandinavian, half Polynesian? Um, before we get into the review this week, shall we took ourselves into the proverbial trivia corner? Let's get over there and get grilled. Let's get over there and get grilled indeed. Right, I am going to load up the questions that we've been sent by the usual trivia cadre over on Reddit. Uh, I've got MKs here visible, so I'm going to start with MK because he's the first one that I found on my phone. Trivia question one for you this week, Steve. According to Kenny, what three actions does Joe Martin slash Jose Martinez take towards Kenny during his time in the Black Tower? Uh, I would go. The first one was probably fires him. He fires him. Uh, calls him as it a pinhead. Pinhead, a, 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 an undying uh, insult, just a classic. I want to think there's another insult. Does he say something about Kenny's wife? I know she's mentioned. Is she? Is she an insult there? It's more banal than that. More mundane, um, and it involves a beverage. Through a drink in his face, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> took, took Kenny's coke. Took Kenny's oh. coke, um, which is which is in in many ways worse than being fired. I, I think some would say. Um, oh, this is a nice question. In front of what business was the hedgerow that Fraser cleared like a Kentucky show horse? Oh, uh, is it? Um, 
Emerson's funeral home or something like that. It is exactly that. You absolutely you are a show horse and a dark yeah. horse with those answers. Sweet Dreams is one of only two episodes that features a unique end credit song that's not one of the normally recorded renditions of Toss Salad and Scrambled Eggs. Can Key slash Steve name the other episode? This is the only one that Kelsey doesn't sing, isn't it? Um, you think of the other one with an atypical closing theme. Is there a silent one? I'm going to give you a clue. We have reviewed it. Well, that narrows it down to about 120 odd. <laughs> yes, it does. Well, it's, it's, it's um, split it in half. It's 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 got 50 percent of the of the wrong answers gone. Uh, da, 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 da. I, I can't think of an episode that's going to have a very very different theme. I'm afraid. It is. The one thousandth show when it's the actual Fraser yeah. Crane rally when he's singing it yeah, live. So yeah, a really, a really nice, a nice question there. You um, got me. That's some, some cracking questions there from MK, as we've come to expect from our preeminent friend. Do you want to lay your trivia on me to misquote Abba? Yeah. So number one. Yes. In which episode does Fraser first struggle to endorse a product? I'm going to go with Selling Out in Season 1, Episode 8. You're so close. Episode 9. Oh! <laughs> but it is Selling Out, yes. Selling right. Out. My friends oh, like it, family like it, and the complimentary Scumguard. Scumguard. Is that em- Emery's Nuts is the one that is, uh, he doesn't want to yeah, do yeah. Emery's Nuts. Um, but well done, it is Selling Out. Uh, question number Thank two. You. Which American author does Fraser say visited Hershen Sons to do a reading? Oh, bugger, man. This hasn't stuck with me because I can only remember Norman Mailer being mentioned, but that's in a separate context, I think. Um, very, very famous American writer. I thought you'd get this straight off. I thought this would be the one you'd get. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I, I honestly, I don't think. I think I must have zoned out or I was typing a note when this line was read because I can't remember it. Um, are you able to kind of, I mean, you might have to Google this, in which case don't worry because it will waste waste your time. Do you know roughly what kind of decade or time period they were writing? I, I'm guessing it's mid-century. If I say that he died, it's a he, and he died just into the, the 20th century, in 19, sort of 10 sort of time. Oh. Ooh. I'm going to... I'm going to narrow it down in my head to someone like Henry James or, uh... oh, God, I'm just going to guess Henry James. It's Mark Twain. Oh, damn. <laughs> that's, that's, so, that's the second reference to Mark Twain I've personally heard in Frasier in like, the last couple of weeks. as I rewatched with Charles, The Friend, when obviously yep. they talk about the mysterious stranger. <laughs> nice question, though. Right. Nice question. So, leading on to number three. What is unique about the end credit scene, but not the music? Something is missing. Ooh. Is, is there not the thanks for calling celebrity people? Spot on. There is no thanks for calling. Why do we think that is? Is that deliberate or did they forget? Well, because normally they'd have the pictures scrolling of who called, didn't they? And they had the Spanish people as producer and... Uh, radio host under the Spanish theme, so I presume they just didn't bother. Wow. So it really is kind of like 
the the, the tectonic plates of Frasier have shifted at the end of this yeah. episode. Everything is different. Wow. Uh, but yeah. Crack, cracking questions there all the same. Is that all three of yours? That's, yep. Yep. Excellent. Right, let me find. Here we go from Cam Winston. We've got a lovely, lovely run of some cues there. So, Mr. Ham Winston himself. What has never looked better, whether something happened or not? Uh, I believe it's Roz's butt and it's uh, Bulldog, isn't it? Baby or not. Do you remember what uh, the something is? I think she says, is it, does she say it's disgusting and Fraser says something, she says, no, the fact that I liked it or something like that. (laughs) She does say that, which is amazing. And yeah, you already know, but the something, which is like whether something happened or not is whether she had a baby or not, your ass has never looked better. The pregnancy, yeah. Uh, wow, John John McEnroe voiced Patrick in this episode. What link to Kelsey Grammer does he have? Don't know, play this tennis is, with him on a Sunday morning? That's, I mean, that's, a, that's a better guess than, than the, what you might be led to. They both have birthdays in February. Uh, Kelsey Grammer's on the 21st, John McEnroe on the 16th. Although Kelsey Grammer is, do you have a guess how many years older than John McEnroe? I would go with five. Oh, four, four. One year, uh, Eric. <laughs> podcast trivia. According to Podbean, as of this date, so when this question was posted, the 4th of September, uh, how many downloads has We're Listening had and what is its Spotify rating out of five from 129 reviews? So firstly, I how many downloads do you think we're sitting at? And uh, we'll go from as of the answer that Hammy gave here. Well, I know that we're over 400,000, aren't we? Because I texted you that a couple of weeks ago that we were over 400k. I'm going to say 415,000. Oh my God, you're so close. 417,800. So very close. And then do you want to have a guess at what our rating is to one decimal place out of five? Is, Is this on Spotify, is it? Yes, um, according, I'm not sure how you see the Spotify rating actually. So I'm, that's awesome that Hammy's found that. But there we go. Um, I don't know. Four, four point three, four point three, four point eight. How dare you undersell us? Oh, <laughs> I, I don't know. That guy that didn't like our direct relevancy might have downloaded a few times. He was a long time ago, Steve. A long <laughs> time ago. Um, trivia from Little Bobby Briscoe: How many KACL employees go to the Black Tower? to confront Joe Martin and a bonus. Can you name them all, Steve? Do you know what? I was going to try and name them to guess how many there were. So we have. Go for it. Um, there was the lady that's very, very short with a soft voice. It's Tootie the Story Lady. Tootie the Story Lady. <laughs> um, Dr. Fraser Crane. Dr. Fraser Crane. Um, we have producer Roz Doyle. We have producer Roz. That's um, three. We have Gil, which is quite scary because we found out he wears an anklet. He wears an anklet. Um, Bob Briscoe. We've got Bob Briscoe. Is it Ray the Greengrocer? It is. It's Ray Schmidt, the Greengrocer. And one more. Oh, does he say, Jenny, I forget what your name is or something like that. Is it it Jenny? Jesse? I don't know. (laughs) You are agonizingly close it's judy miss judy god you got the letter and the syllable sound you're practically there steve that's a a pretty pretty good go 
I think my count is seven, is it? It is seven. seven. Very, seven. very good indeed. And I'm basically giving you the bonus there. Uh, two more to go. Trivia from Niall Crane, our visual man of the hour. In the apartment, when Frasier is waiting for Daphne to come back from jail, he has a drink in his hand. How many times do he see him take a sip from it? <laughs> excellent, excellent stuff. Think about the size of those glasses and realistically how many sips that you could get from one of them. Yeah, but with Nile, that could be completely trick, and he might just hold it. Hmm. Does he? Does he actually take a sip? Is Nile Crane here trying to trick me? Does he take? I'm going to either guess that I always go with the rule of three. That I always say three. So I'm going to say zero or three. He must drink it. If not, Nile wouldn't have asked me. I'm going to say three. It's two, two yes. sips, two sips. But you know, I'm glad that you went. He wasn't tricking you. Uh, there was there was sippage occurring. And finally, trivia from Run for Your Life, our beloved Amy. What convinced Niles to try Mahalo Valhalla? Uh, God. Um, as in, as in, what kind of it. what particular item on the menu had he come across? And if so, can you remember how? I had written this, I, actually. I, I really haven't got a clue. It's something Polynesian or Scandinavian. His <laughs> I, gourmet... I, are you tapping out? Are you tapping out? Yeah, yeah, I'm out. I'm out on that. His gourmet newsletter gave three and a half whisks to their coconut herring, uh, <laughs> which is just absolutely superb. Um, but there we have it. Uh, thank you, everyone, so much. And, of course, to you, Steve, for the trivia this week. Um, that was absolutely cracking. Uh, shall we get into the review this week, Steve? Of course, yeah. Let's let's get out of trivia corner. <laughs> Excellent. Let's Animation watched this week. Stephen, can you tell me what it was, please? Was it a moon? Did I see it, it was a moon. Moon, moon rising over Seattle. Lovely and gentle and delicate. We're big fans of the moon over here on We're Listening. Um, we open with Gill and Bulldog, kings both, who are teaming up to do their commercial. Um, do you get the impression that they've done this before? Because they seem incredibly well-practiced at their repartee, their delicious repartee. I mean, I found the whole scene hilarious, which is why I had to repeat it alone. I, I didn't want to actually... I was going to... I almost felt like getting you involved, Nick. So I want to go, how many lumps, Will? One. Oh, excellent. What oh, gets me every time. <laughs> we'll splice it in at the end. Yes, one take. Um <laughs> I like the fact that they've both got it written down in front of them, but they both start by reading their own names. He, mm. Gil looks at the paper and goes, I'm Gil Chesterton. And Bulldog goes, and I'm Bulldog Briscoe. And I think, why are you reading your own name? You must have known the first line was that simple. <laughs> <laughs> they, they barely read the rest of the script, but the first line, they have to remember their own name. Joe, you know what that said, when I used to give um, kind of conference papers and things when I was kind of at university, I used to write, which is it's very common to write a script and kind of read from a script, but do so in a, in an in an animated way. I say in quote yeah. marks because it's 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 obviously hard to do, but you don't ad lib a conference paper. And I would still I, I would write mine exactly how I wanted to say it, including like the asides and the weird pauses. And I would write, "Hello, my name is Will Carroll." As the first <laughs> sentence, because I'm just like I was that nervous. I was like, "Well, I've got to kind of put this out there." And I, I've got to give a talk at school at some point in about a month's time, actually, about 
podcasting and setting up my own podcast, which the, I think the kids oh, wow. will really enjoy. Um, yeah. And I have got to be careful, one, that I don't give away information that they can come and find the podcast out because I can't have kids <laughs> that I teach listening to this. Uh, and as far as I'm concerned, there's no links to my surname and the podcast. So I don't think they'd be able to find it because uh, I won't be giving them the name or what it's on. Um, but yeah, like I will probably write on the script for that. Hello, it's you know Dr. Carol here. Like it, it just it's just a force of habit, I think, out of nerves. But they're practiced men of the radio, so it is weird. Isn't yeah, it? Um, yeah. You think? Yeah. I mean, but then I know that. Um, again, when I've mentioned it before, I listened to the Blue Jays chat and uh, Blair and Barker, um, who do sort of a lot of MLB uh, podcasts and radio casts and telecasts, etc. And they have to obviously read out a lot of numbers, sort of get in touch, email us on this or text us on this. And they always say, you know, Sportsnet 590 and they have to constantly have it. And I presume, um, I don't remember when I went to see Radio Caroline on the boat, I think, which was about this time, maybe last year. Oh, yeah. When we went into the radio studio and they were presenting, they actually had cards all around the top. And it said, um, we're coming up on and it said, insert time here. Don't forget that this is Radio Caroline, 590, blah, 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 blah. And it gave all the call signs. So every time it got to a half an hour, they would literally read through and go, it's coming up on half past five. And we're now doing this. My name is, and this is the station you're listening to. And they'd read it every time because so they couldn't forget it or put the wrong number in. Or I thought it's amazing. So like you say, they they do have it scripted so they can constantly remember. Um, You know, even just saying KACL 780 AM talk radio and having the right amount of time to get that in before you go to an advert, you've got to know how long it's going to take you to say it. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of scripting involved. But, yeah, I mean, like you've just said, obviously, you've proved me wrong. You do need to write down your own name so you remember it. (laughs) <laughs> only only if you're a kind of a, a nervous fool like me um but that's such a great anecdote about you know radio was it radio caroline um radio yeah, caroline yeah that's that's awesome um bulldog now telling ross that her ass has never looked better and you know contrary <laughs> to what normally happens she's actually quite glad to receive the perverted but you know nevertheless co- a compliment um as it may be uh and then they of course we hear Gill and Bulldog are going to do their advert and and Happy Dreams tea the whole night through. Are you kind of a, a man who believes in hot beverages soothing you before bed? Are we, we're talking Horlicks, chamomile. Well, on the current day that we're recording, I don't know about you, but I am literally dying of heat stroke here at the moment. It's horrible. <laughs> it is this beer is so cold. It's so nice. Don't do that. You'll you'll warm it up holding it too long. Yeah, um, that's true. Actually. I don't I don't think I'm at the age yet, and that sounds discriminatory against anyone who likes to do this. I don't think I'm at the age <laughs> yet that I can have a hot drink before I go to bed. I like really? You don't have a cup drink. of tea of an evening? Oh, no, that keep me awake. I'll be tossing and turning all through my oh. brother's conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I have a decaf, but I do. I Ooh. love a hot beverage. And I sometimes don't have decaf at all, which is probably foolish. But I like a hot... Me and Charles, it's about nine o'clock at night. We get a cup of tea. We put Fraser on. I do like that. But, but full respect that you don't. Do you know what? Nowadays, it's a nice. I try and drink at least half a pint of water before I go to bed, and at least half a pint to a pint in the morning as soon as I get up as well, just through a bit of a health thing. You know, get everything going, wake yourself oh, up. I, I think so maybe do that. Well, well no, because you're probably fitter and healthier than I am. So maybe Definitely a cup of tea not. is what I need. 
with my, as the podcast listeners will, will know, with my incredibly shy kidneys, um, no, not shy kidneys, but my overactive bladder, I would love to drink more water, but I simply just cannot hack it. But then my body doesn't seem to tell me that it's dehydrated. So I don't, yeah, I don't know. Has my body just learnt to cope with less fluid? Or am I just one of these people that doesn't need to drink that much? I don't know. But I would like to drink more water. I just worry of the consequences it will bring me. Um, <laughs> Daphne's in KACL. She's a chauffeur now. I mean, come on. Like, what the hell is her job at this point? Has she got yeah, I, I did. I did pretty much make the same note of, well, Daphne's got a new job role. She's now chauffeur, as Fraser says to her. <laughs> It's just ludicrous, isn't it? I mean, how genuinely, what do you think her annual salary is in the 90s? 30, I want to think that, I was going to go for more 20 to 25. I think she's probably, mm. I mean, she she does constantly say how underpaid she is. There's several episodes where she mentions how underpaid she is. She does. I, but then it's a living role. Is that like having a, a car for work? Do you pay more tax because you're getting the benefits of having a work mobile phone and a work car? Do you know what I mean? Do you pay a different rate of tax? I, I, an American listener would possibly be able to help me. Is anyone a living carer? Can they help? You know, because you're not paying rent, do you get less wages because you're not paying to live somewhere? But yeah, I, I don't imagine she's paid very much and she seems to quite enjoy being basically Fraser Skivvy, um, any job. You know, no job's too small, isn't it? You know, whatever yeah. you need, she does. You jump. She is a, a frankly just an awesome person to have around. But yeah, maybe maybe you should need to start unionizing, Daphne. That's what I'd say. Um, we learn about the fabulous Hershensons is is going under because there's development plans and it needs to be torn down. Um, great, believable name for a bookshop. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, 100%. So I'm not going to get on my soapbox, but it just reminds me of that amazing Waterstones in Birmingham New Street that was like in that Georgian building. It's the most impressive bookshop I've ever been in. And there's more impressive ones out there, but in the UK, it was just unbelievable because it was four floors in this amazing historic building with ceilings so high it's crazy just to think that got sold out to an apple shop and it's all on one level now like the apple shop is one level it all looks like a typical clinical sterile apple shop it's such a loss so i do feel frazier's kind of call to arms a little bit you know to the barricades um that said i wouldn't have i wouldn't have protested in in the original because i'm a hypocrite but yeah what do you make of this that, that, that saves me answering that question of did you go to the picket line <laughs> yeah i, I don't even did know if there protest? was one to be honest I, I don't think there was one i think it all happens so surreptitiously as these kind of big council decisions often do um that it was you know we would we were none the wiser before it was too late but i don't think i would I was, have I, I, I don't think i've got the train in <laughs> i was half i was half expecting your answer to be no i didn't go to the protest however i did get this brilliant apple watch and apple iphone <laughs> well look at me i've got an iphone and i've got a macbook and i'm, I'm just a shill i'm a shill um but there we are aren't we all these days um the, the protesters are happy to see him. This this put me in mind, I saw a video recently of Brian Cranston reading out a very kind of inspiring pep talk to the, the kind of SAG writers that are on strike in Hollywood at the moment, uh, the Screen Actors Guild, um, which kind of, yeah, it, it was quite rousing. I also do find sometimes, whilst I'm very much on the side of the people protesting, sometimes when I see these celebrities giving them speeches, it, it makes me cringe a little bit. Um, I don't know, there's... There is their support's important and massively, but sometimes there's a bit of a power dynamic and it's a bit, I don't know, the cameras are rolling and they didn't necessarily need to be rolling for that moment. I'm just a bit of a cynical, cynical man sometimes. 
Yeah, I think I'd be the same with. It's a bit like when <laughs> I'll use Mrs. Doubt by because it's easier when when I Robin Williams' character, when Robin Williams' character is in court. Can you remember what the judge turns around to him and says? I was can't. it from a father? He, he, he sort of says, or no, she says, was was that coming from a father who loves his children or from a very talented actor? And she thinks that Daniel, as in his character, Daniel Hillard, I think his name is, she thinks that maybe he's just an inspiring actor and he's very good at convincing a court that he cares about his kids and that he's done the right thing. And I think when, when you get actors standing up at a picket line, how much of it's acting? How much of it's their real side of them you know and that's exactly what kind of thinking, rem- yeah it's kind of what it reminds me of i'm sure they are genuine and i know that there's a lot of actors out there now that really do stand on those picket lines and they yeah, believe they're fighting for the right cause and um trust me having stood on picket lines for 18 days last year for my own job i know what they're going through i know how hard yeah. it is and i fully support them and i hope they get what they what they deserve and what they want Amen. Um, but yeah when you when you've got an acting skill i often think sometimes how difficult is it to get through real life without putting on that that act? Do you know what I mean? Mm. You know, how it's just in any way, you know, you see them out shopping, you think, are they acting now? <laughs> have they yeah. taken on a new role here or, or are they just going about their business? When they want something in a shop, does an actor go, hold on, I can really turn on the charm here and I know exactly how to be, you know, the right emotions, et cetera. Yeah. It's definitely a very good skill to get through life with, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. And I think it is because though there's an inherent performativity to those sorts of things that as as a deeply cynical person and I, I try not to be cynical about a lot of things but some things are and i know brian cranston is a very great ally for the people he was supporting he's not someone who i'm kind of trying to make an example of it was just his speech put me in mind of those times where i think is this performativity or is it kind of genuine but um either way fraser's fraser is very gladly received in the hirsch and sons protest movement because he's he's a big name he's a big name for them to get um but do you his, think do you think Sorry. that's realistic? Uh, as in that they would know who he was. Well, the fact that he strolls over with Daphne, who no one's going to know, sits down and they go, look, it's Dr. Crane from the radio. Dr. Crane, I, say I a speech. We'll support you. I don't think it is realistic. I just, I, I mean, the, the demographic there, I, I didn't really get a good scan, but the, the spokesperson, he's clearly like in his early 20s. He's not going to be someone that tunes into Fraser's show. But is it by nature of li- being a Seattle denizen that he knows of Fraser? Is that what we're meant to think? Yeah. And also, no. I mean, it, it, like you say, the demographic of the actual protests themselves look like young people. I don't know if they cast that correctly. Do you know what I mean? Are we saying that only 20 year olds would care about a bookshop that's been there 150 years? Yeah. What's the last books they've been? How many books have they read? They're 20. You know, probably quite a lot of school books, but they're not yeah. going to be as educated as, as Fraser. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, really good point. His delivery of solidarity, brothers, absolutely <laughs> kills me. Um, not This is a complete tangent, and I'm going to keep it like to 30 seconds, but there's a video game that I've talked about loving before, Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion, my favorite video game ever. Uh, and my friends and I always watch kind of YouTube videos of people playing it, and we're always memeing and quoting different lines. But the way he delivers that line is identical to the way kind of the voice actors in, the, in that game would deliver really hammy, <laughs> cheesy lines um and there's just a real nostalgia in hearing that but it's just so funny and he leaves daphne for dead um yeah you know yeah he throws a clean under the bus um and it's just not it's not a good look for fraser it really isn't um as as we will come to see later in the episode when daphne quite rightly uh is a bit 
peed off with him. Um, I, I do like his reasoning for leaving. I mean, the protest is really thinning out here now with the arrest. I better go and get some more Daphne by. Reinforcements, <laughs> yes. See ya. Um, I mean, where's he going for reinforcements, the bloody coward? Um, back at 1901, Niles arrives and Fraser is sullen. He's forlorn. He's sipping twice, as uh, Niall Crane has told us, <laughs> his, uh, his sherry. Um, and Niles is kind of unsuccessfully trying to convince him to go to this Polynesian and Scandinavian fusion restaurant. I mean, how well-versed in fusion restaurants are you? Because I don't actually think I've ever eaten in a fusion restaurant. Uh, I'd like I to. don't think... Yeah, I don't think I'm upmarket enough to know really what a fusion restaurant would be. Um, does Surf and Turf count? Do you know what I mean? Is that that a is a fusion, <laughs> but it's not a fusion necessarily of two nations, which I guess is um, what we're we're thinking about here. But I don't even I wouldn't be able to tell you which restaurants nearby are fusion. I don't think it's that common. I don't know. I mean, I the know. thing that bugs me about this scene, I think it probably bugs most people, is when he says it's Polynesian and Scandinavian. And Fraser, being very intelligent here, completely X this up, as you would say, because he turns around and says, there's a reason God put those countries so far apart. Scandinavia, Fraser, is not a country, and nor is Polynesia. <laughs> what That's do you want a about? very, very good point. I didn't even think about that. Like, obviously, his mind is immediately sinking, right, I don't know, Denmark and, you know, whatever. But that's, yeah, he's, he's collectivizing <laughs> them in a, in a way that's just... Hang on, is Denmark Scandinavian? Or am I, I'm getting confused. Is it Sweden, Norway, and Finland? Sweden, Norway, Finland, and Denmark are Scandinavian. I always thought, I, I mean, I have to Google this because we'll get we'll get hell if we don't. I always thought Denmark technically doesn't count. Please don't send. Uh, please, Denmark and Danish listeners, do not send the Vikings. Oh, no, no, no. Here we go. Country Scandinavia, Google's telling me. It's Denmark, Norway, Sweden, Finland, and Iceland. Um Okay. Well, thank fine. God that wasn't on trivia. <laughs> I know, thank Christ. Um, but there we go. Um, so, yeah, we, we learn about the three and a half whisks given to the coconut herring, which I'm going to be honest, coconut herring sounds awful. Um, I don't yeah. think coconut and fish were ever meant to meet. Um, but there there we have it. Uh, the great line about Frazier clearing the, the, the hedge outside the funeral home like a Kentucky show horse. Um <laughs> Which is just superb. That's the, I, I completely, I, I feel like I'd never heard that line before. Um, and that's the beauty of reviewing them for this podcast. You hear lines you've never stopped and heard before. Um, and that one really killed me. But I, I, sort, I sort of noticed oh, sorry, that you about go, this. You go. Yeah, sorry. This, this scene's actually got quite a few, just this back at 1901's got quite a few good quotes in there. I mean, the one with Daphne, he left me handcuffed and helpless, which now says, well, if you ever find yourself in that position again, Daphne, I knew I could count on you, Dr. Crane. Why can't you be more like Dr. Crane? Dr. Crane's so much more like you, Dr. Crane. And she just walks off and I'm like, how many times did she just say Dr. Crane and make absolutely it just no sense? me in mind of the two Mrs. Cranes. I just keep hearing Dr. Crane. <laughs> Dr. Crane. So, so good. Um, but yeah, like I, I, the the kind of monologue, sorry, there's a little fly that keeps buzzing around me, which is why Steve, obviously <laughs> listeners, you can't, but Steve can see me waving like I'm an air traffic controller. Um, the fantastic kind of monologue that Frasier goes on um, about how, when did he become so middle-aged, so timid, he used to be so courageous. Yeah. I would, I would firstly ask, was he ever courageous? Um, I don't think he was turning up to like protests in the sixties, and well, he wouldn't have been. Would he have been born in the sixties? Um, he was born about not. 
he'd have been about seven. <laughs> yeah, he'd have been a child. But I don't, I don't see him as someone in his younger years who is kind of heavily rebellious and protesting. Although there probably are allusions to that in the show. Um, but he sounds very much here like like proof rock so we've talked about this before but j alfred proof rock is is a but the the love song of j alfred proof rock is a poem by t.s Eliot, and it's a kind of quintessential capturing of that middle-aged voice of a man who feels like he's going a bit thin in the hair getting a bit chubby around the waist um his kind of life is passing him by and he's having a bit of a crisis and it's it's quoted elsewhere in the show it's it's episodes ago but he says something like i've seen the eternal footman hold my coat and snicker Um, and that's a quote from Proof Rock, and and Fraser here very much sounds like a Proof Rockian kind of character or hero. He it's a really affecting monologue, I think. Um, I don't know, like obviously, you know, you're not old, Steve. You're not old. You are not old. You are older than me. So does this have any kind of resonance with you in a way? Perhaps it it doesn't with me. Do you know what I mean? listeners may not be aware that it's, it's irrelevant in a way if they are or, or not. Um, I have mentioned, obviously, my age being different to yours. Uh, I mm. turn 40 next month. So October 2023, I'll be 40 years old. Which I but, will be travelling to see you in some capacity, <laughs> to, to, to ring that in and sing Old Lang Syne and whatever. We, we will sort something out, Old Lang Wine. I um, mean, we'll, we'll sort something out long before then, but that will be, that will definitely be, yeah, what we do. I look forward to it. The the thing about this year, and I think I probably have spent more time this year with turning 40 coming up, that I probably have spent a lot more time thinking, have I achieved what I want to? You know, have mm. I paid off the amount of my mortgage I want to? Have I been to enough places that I want to? Have I, you know, got enough savings? All that sort of thing. More financial probably than anything else. Um, I'm hoping very much to take a trip to see John uh, in October next year um, because he's getting married. Um, I've never been to America, so that's going to be a massive thing. It's closer to me being 41 than 40. But again, when people say life begins at 40, maybe it will. Maybe that'll be my courageous thing rather than moving back home, which I could. I could move from Essex back to Suffolk near my parents and reacquaint myself with uh, that area of the country instead of where I am, which isn't actually that far. It's it's bordering. Um, Mm. I mean, he talks about courage, but he did move five years ago. He mentions that. He mentions moving his whole life back from Boston right way back across the country to seattle i'd say that's pretty courageous upping and leaving everything you know in in cheers to then starting your, or restarting your life again in seattle i'd say that takes quite a lot of bravery and courage really i mean can you imagine literally lifting your life up from where it is now and going to scotland and saying right i'm going to start life up there it, that that takes guts and uh, it is a risk because if it doesn't work out where are you what are you going to do mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really kind of really, really moving and thoughtful. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, like you say, moving up to Scotland, I think Shaw would do that in a heartbeat. Um, she's kind of got her heart <laughs> set on moving up there. Um, I'm not sure I could could hack that. It's quite far. But um, but yeah, I, I just it, it's, it's a really affecting and kind of powerful speech from Frage. And, you know, it's so lovely to, to kind of hear your insights in that way. But so remind me when you turn 40. 22nd of October. Oh my God, so our birthdays are really close. So that will fall. That will fall in my two-week half term. Um, we we have to meet up. Do you know what the strange thing is? I'm on work on annual leave. I am there. I'm home and free. So we will free, do something. Okay, well, then it, 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 it's settled <laughs> because that, that couldn't provide a, a kind of nicer opportunity. So, I mean, once this the, the mics stop rolling, we'll get that sorted. Um, 
But yeah, Martin, okay, this is this is interesting. So this is only something I have clocked because of the fact I am parallel rewatching with Charles midway through season three. Martin moaning about how he couldn't pull strings to kind of get rid of the uh, the kind of the police issues of the yeah. earlier that day. In uh, a word to the wise guy, he kind of gets on his soapbox about how he will not bend the law um yep. for maris and it's not because it's maris it's because it's his principles he will not help martin out at all with the, the kind of um, sorry niles out with the the parking fines um and yet here he's bemoaning the state of the current police force because he can't do just that did you did you got that too i did but it also brings up that beautiful line about that uh fraser says about the uh jewelry auction from the morgue <laughs> <laughs> that's really, so so really, good <laughs> So glad they haven't changed the rules about the jewelry auction at the morgue or something like that. But I mean, you're you're right. He does he does he moans quite a lot. But I think you're right. In words of the wise guy, he does mention um, not even ever helped anyone with a parking ticket because I I stick to the law. And in this one, yeah, he's saying you know, cool. I couldn't even use my uh, my police badge. He's even retired. I mean, he's not even in the police force anymore. I don't yeah. I don't see what the difference is, um, and why he thinks that suddenly you know he can get Daphne out like that. Yeah. I don't even. If I'm honest, I'm not really sure what Daphne was arrested for. Um, having stood on a big line like that, the word (laughs) disrupting public peace is is probably the most they could get there. But then I'd have thought, and I know why it's done because it's done for the show. But I thought the police would have said, "You need to get out of the road. You need to stand on the side." And if you're quiet with this, I mean, that's how it would work here now, isn't it? If you had a, oh yeah, I mean, you have a right to protest. That's not illegal. Yeah. Yeah, so, so it's a bit strange that they say, no, that's it, we're going to arrest you all. And they arrest a whole lot of them. I think Daphne wasn't even, she was just sitting there, literally sitting there. They could have said, do you mind moving? She said yes, and then she'd have gone home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess, is it is it because she's obstructing a road? Is it different when you're affecting kind of civic rights? I have no idea. Um, but yeah, nevertheless, an interesting kind of point of contention. Um, my next bullet point, which you already discussed, is that I had pizza last night. Delicious, I'd like to note. Um, we've got the John McEnroe call now, and his wife is working late tonight on her boss's boat. Uh, it's not <laughs> sounding good, is it, for the for the caller here? Um, I, it, we're not one to, to kind of cast blame or throw stones, but it sounds like his wife possibly is, is being... It. What's the word? Not committing infidelity. Can you be in infidel in I don't know. What's the the verb? I don't know. I don't know. She's committing infidelity. Um is that what is that what we think, Steve? Is it that we think it's pretty clear that's what's happening here? I I think I think it's clear to everyone except John McEnroe. Except John McEnroe. <laughs> he's, he, he's blind to it. I mean he just says Oh, it, what does Fraser say? You could take her out on a nice date or get her a nice dinner. And he says, oh, I would, yeah. but tonight, yeah, she's she's working late again on her boss's yacht or something like that. And, and Fraser goes, yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> you know, okay. That, that, <laughs> that is quite quintessentially Frasian, Frasian, kind of Frasierian advice um, to just, oh, open the lines of communication, surprise her with a romantic meal. It's like, yeah. Frasier, these people are coming to you with like roman- romances that and relationships that are in crisis, and you're recommending things that, you know, you'd arguably read in in, in Cosmo. Um, and I kind of bring I bring that up. I bring that up not as to offend anyone, because we, we have in the in the Honey Snow episode, quite literally them criticizing Honey Snow for kind of, you know, is your guy a stud or a dud? Frasier says things that, that are of that ilk sometimes. And I just question why his show is so popular. <laughs> that's that's a that's a moment where I think, why is he so big? 
Yeah, I mean, we've, we, I think me and you have discussed this on air before that he is actually quite terrible at advice, quite terrible at sort of giving advice to anyone on, on air or off air. I mean, he, he asks Ros for advice. Yeah, he asks Ros yeah. for advice for Niles, doesn't he? And she says about dressing up and he says a gladiator. Oh, it's your brother Niles, maybe a gladioli. Um, and good. then obviously so Pirates of the Caribbean comes out and, you know, the whole uh, him dressing up and bucking his swash and whatever else. And and, and Frasier gives him that advice, but it's Ros's advice. Frasier doesn't actually know how to help Niles in a relationship. He's got mm. two failed, is it two failed marriages at this point? I think no, so. No, Diane, no, Diane. Yeah, yeah, two failed marriages and yeah. Diane leaves him at the altar and people are asking mm. him for relationship advice. Yeah, Frasier's not actually the greatest psychiatrist. <laughs> He's not, and I think the things he the things he is good at. I mean, that's the irony, isn't it? He's a he's a very good psychiatrist, but relationships is where he falls down the most. Yeah. So it, it, in some ways, that's exactly what the show is going for. But also, I think you know, yeah, that is just a, a kind of a big grey area in his expertise. Um, we're introduced to Kenny Daly now. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to say any. I want to kind of give you the first word on Kenny. Um, this is the first time we've we've come across him in the show. Thoughts on Kenny Daly? Do you know what my instant thought was? And I even uh, when I watched it this morning, um, I turned to my other half and said, "Kenny's voice sounds weird." Did you notice that Tom McGowan does not sound like the Kenny Daly we know? I think it was his first episode. And I don't think they thought they were going to keep him very long because don't forget he gets fired in this episode. Hmm. He, I... he just sounded differently. Yeah, I don't think I noticed that. In what in what way? I'm I'm intrigued. I think it was he just sounded deeper, a bit more serious, a little bit more straight talking. He didn't have that sort of, hey, Kenny Daly here. He walks in and mm. just says, you know, this is part of the job I don't really like. And he just sounds really sort of down and and very serious and like he is a boss. And he doesn't, mm. maybe it's because he doesn't know Frazier yet, but he just, like I say, he just, to me, he sounded like he hadn't put on his Kenny Daly voice. He was just Tom McGowan reading it. And maybe he thought he was just going to be in it for one episode. And when they all get fired, Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the end of the episode yet, but obviously you have, um, <laughs> you know, when, when you get to the end and they all get fired, you think, well, maybe maybe he wasn't supposed to be in season six. Maybe he was actually supposed to just be in this one episode. And then when they bring him back, he develops his Kenny Daly act a bit better, maybe. I don't know. That was, just, that was what kind of got me straight away. Um, other than mm. that, how long has Kenny been the manager uh, of KSEL? Because the last one was um, Kate Costas. She disappeared in God. season three. Yeah, that that is a huge gap. That is a season yeah. and a half. No, no, it's it's two seasons the, the, minimum. Yeah, um, yeah. two seasons and a half of no discernible station manager, um, which seems silly because fifty percent of the show takes place there. Um, it seems strange to me that Kenny hadn't been introduced. This is the first time, and. When when Frazier goes to the Black Tower later with Joe Martin, he says to him, but you fired Kenny. Kenny's a really good station manager. Well, mm. we don't know that. We've, we've seen him for 10 seconds. We, we have no history we of Kenny. We do not have that, that. We can't call that, if, can we? No. If he's a good station manager, why are the ratings down? Joe Martin's in a meeting saying the ratings are down. That's why they got ads. So he can't be a good station manager. He's doing wrong. <laughs> yes, yeah, so he's not making the right decisions. Um but you know, it, it, I, I will say, and this is probably this is well, this is going to be the kind of the 
majority opinion. But yeah, I love Kenny. I'm so glad they keep him around. I'm so yeah. glad that he continues to recur kind of beyond this point. I, I think he should have been in way more episodes than he is. Um, I think like Gil, he's woefully underused. Ed, Edward Hibbert plays Gil. Woefully, yeah. woefully underused. Um just a, a really lovely kind of fixture of KACL, and he kind of he kind of makes sense from the get go. He just he just immediately makes sense and, and belongs for me. Um, so yeah, I'm a huge Kenny Daly fan. I don't, I don't I've not really read many people say they don't like him. Um, no, I think there will be people out of, there with, with with you know quite justifiable reasons, I'm sure. But yeah, I think he's a lot of fun. I mean, as an actor, I think Tom McGowan's quite fun. He was in uh, quite mm. a few episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch in the '90s as well. Um, nice. I think he's he, he's a teacher, or is he the headmaster at one point? And then Mr. Craft comes along. I haven't watched Sabrina in quite a long time, actually. I might might do a rewatch of that at some point. I do I do quite enjoy Sabrina, but yeah, I mean, awesome. he was in that as one of the, one of the teachers, and he's great fun in that as well. You know, he's very much himself. But I think mm. Kenny's yeah, Kenny's a solid one. I'm, I'm glad he stays around for quite a while uh, going forwards. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of the the kind of contention between the two of them, because Fraser doesn't want to read out the Happy Dreams sponsorship. One, it's a bit concerning to me that the the, the station is that economically reliant on a tea company's sponsorship. Um, because like Kenny's like, if you don't read this out, I have to fire you. They're basically they've got a gun to their to their head from a from a, a beverage company, mm. which seems bizarre. Second point is. Frasier does have a point, despite the fact that I do think he's an enormous pedant in this episode, and I think he is deliberately obtuse and difficult. But he does have a point. If he gives, if he says what he wants to say, he is a doctor. It will be construed as medical advice, and there are yeah. people out there in the world. We think of like people on popular daytime shows in Britain. I don't want to name anyone, but they are doctors, you know, and they are medically trained, but they are commercialized to the point of I'm not certain I'd ever believe anything they say. And Fraser yeah. doesn't want to compromise that, but you know, he it's a difficult one. I, I agree with him, but I don't necessarily agree with the way he goes about it. Are you similar or dissimilar? It, it it's tough because I think if I was threatened at work in that same way and my boss said to mm. me you do this or you're suspended i think i'd be like do you know what if my moral ground actually really was so strong that i went i can't do that i think i'd just turn around and say suspend me then yeah. but fraser financially is very secure kenny as we find out later on is not he is yeah so, fraser is so secure he can afford those risks but and and I understand he stands up for his ethics. You know, he's got that moral, hasn't he, that he has to, he, he doesn't back down. You know, with have Martin, I think he's in the past, isn't it? Martin goes, oh, you've got your ethics, you've got your morals, you can't change mm. this. And and it is true, Fraser is a very big stickler for, for morals and ethics, but he doesn't really look at the bigger picture. He's standing up for all these people and saying, I'm not going to read that. And then the threat comes to him. You know, he's going he's gonna to end up losing everyone their job. He's going to end up. I don't really understand the point that Voss loses her job later on because she's a producer. Now, no matter yeah. what they're playing, they're still going to be producing. They will need what, a producer. What... Yeah. So yeah. I don't understand why she's at threat. And when he says, "I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later on," because we, we'll, we'll talk about it more in the Black Tower when when the characters all go there. But I will say one thing: when they when you say about money coming in from this sponsorship. 
Um, mm. It is mentioned later that Tootie, the story lady, did get new puppets, which I find a brilliant gag for radio that she's got new puppets to tell stories with. Oh, on, on radio. <laughs> it killed me, absolutely killed me that she says, uh, but we've that just got new bad. puppets for my show. And I think, what's, what's she doing with puppets? <laughs> that that is that is a really subtle but nice joke, actually. That that one kind of passed over my head. Um, but that, that, yeah, that's that's so good. Um, yeah, completely agree. And, yeah, Fraser like gives this speech now, doesn't he, about kind of taking a stand? He says rather than truckle to the forces of commercialism, which I think is a lovely line. And I very rarely, if ever, have heard the verb truckle, um, which gives me kind of enormous pleasure as as someone who obviously appreciates language quite a lot. I love that. Um, and he gives this amazing speech, which ultimately is reduced down to the very memed and iconic, I. I'm not a man, um, which I just think <laughs> is superb. It's great. It's great comic timing. I love the concept of him being cut off. Um, I I, wor- I wonder at the logistics of him in the middle of a monologue and and Kenny cutting him to the best of Crane, what that must sound like if you're listening in the car. And I kind of raised that point. I don't know if you saw this recently, but GB News, who are a kind of... Are you familiar with who GB News yeah, are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm not going to kind of pass any opinion on them. I'm mentioning them objectively, but they are a kind of relatively new news outlet in the UK. There was a kind of funny video that went viral about a day ago or so where a journalist, basically an anchor, just has been thrust into the limelight and given a story and they just don't have any auto cue. They don't know what to say. It's dreadful. Um, and it's just like, it's it, it makes a really interesting viewing. I wonder what it sounds like when Frasier, in his, this middle of the monologue, just cuts to Best of Cray. Like, how does that even yeah. work? You you saying that reminds me of, was it on Sky Sports quite a few years ago when they cut, is it the uh, famous one, is it Chris Kamara? So when good. They, <laughs> when they said there's a goal and he goes, I don't know so what's there. It's, it's a red card. It's a red <laughs> yeah, card. That's it. It's just like, oh, I thought it was he a goes, substitute. Yeah, we're getting news now, Chris. What's that, Jeff? <laughs> he, just, he just keeps looking back at the screens. It's like, what were you doing? He goes, Jeff, what? Absolutely that, that brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And there'll it, be so many people. Bad. Sorry, sorry, you go, you go. I was going to say, it's almost as bad when you say to me, do you remember that line that the next line? And I just sit there and go, sorry, Will, what? (laughs) (laughs) I do. I do do that to you an unfair amount. Um, But yeah, there'll be a lot of people listening who will know the Cami incident very, very well. And I I love that. That's that's so good. Um, Yeah, Frazier returns back to 1901 now. He feels very good despite being fired. He's maybe in denial and we will get in the next episode of season six, we'll have the kind of the change curve in psychological terms and denial will be very much a part of that. He almost seems to be in the throes of denial at this point. Um, Martin, very calm, weirdly calm about his son losing his high profile celebrity job um, to the point where it's a little unbelievable to me. I don't know. Have you ever been fired? No. Ever lost a job. Right. And I think so. if I did lose a job, <laughs> I lost my current job, which of course I, I love very much. Um I even if it was for taking a moral stand, I don't think that'd go down very well with Charles, and I don't think it'd go very down very well with my family. It depends what yeah. mor- moral was being compromised, but I think if it's just a question of like I don't believe in commercialism, I don't think Charles would be happy about me losing my job based on that. 
so I have been fired. Um, I won't mm. go into details purely because it involves businesses that I used to work with in the past. And it's, I, I don't want to put it out there. It's nothing sordid or anything that anyone can't know of. I could quite happily answer the questions. I just won't uh, for no. this. But I have been fired oh. and let go from a business in the past. It's a very strange feeling because you know it's going to happen. I was written to with two weeks in advance to prepare anything I wanted to say, to have any witnesses. Um, and obviously they state their case and you state yours. And at the end of it, they turn around with a letter and hand it to you and say, we're letting you go. And you just sit there and think, right, so what do I do tomorrow then? Yeah. You know, and, and, and for me, it was like, oh, I gave up X amount of years for this business and uh, I'm not needed. Right, you don't want me. Um, I guess I'll go home then. And the first person yeah. you phone is your parents, your other half. You think, well, where do I go? Do you know what I mean? What do I... Hi, Dad. Yeah, I haven't got a job. Um, everything will be all right. And my, and my dad, honestly, I mean, obviously, we had a few weeks of writing letters and whatever else to do with the situations that were coming up in the business at the time. So he was prepared. Mm. I just phoned my dad literally on my drive home and went, right, um, I'm unemployed. And he said, well, you better go and sort that out tomorrow then. And that was what I did. I went home that afternoon, sat down, watched TV and got up the next morning and went, right, I need to write a list of things I need to do to sort this. Frasier seems to not care. He's just like, oh, it's quite liberating. Trust me, Frasier, yeah. it's not. <laughs> it's, it's not, not liberating. liberating at all. Um, I mean, that, um, that, that, I just think you're you're great, and I know listeners love it because you candidly share just really kind of tangible experiences that are so kind of in simpatico with themes in Frasier. And I think that that kind of anecdote is just, yeah, it's, it's well, obviously it's alien to me having never experienced it, but it's just so sobering to hear you talk about it. And the fact that you kind of went on to solve that and yeah, Frazier's just, his privilege is enormous. He's on six figures. He's got investments. He has an incredible life. You know, you, by all by all counts and emissions, will not have had the privilege and safety that Frazier had. So you no. had to actionable, you know, had to action th- change, didn't you? And it's just, it's, yeah, that's why I love Frazier. I love him. But he is not a relatable character. And, you know, that that's why we can poke fun at him in some ways, because he's so different yeah. to you and I. I mean, moving on from that, I think Martin actually says one of the, the, the best lines Martin has in this, and it, it only because it's true, not because it's a funny quote or anything like that. Mm. He's Fraser's saying, I couldn't endorse it because it promises something it can't do. And Martin replies yeah. with, every commercial promises something they can't deliver. Yeah. And you actually think, do you know what? That's probably quite accurate. I hate to say to it anyone is. who's advertising, but it, it is. I mean, especially with things like health things, I find that if someone says, you know, I don't know, I don't know drink nine litres of water a day, or well, you probably drown, nine pints of water a day, and suddenly you will not ache. What, yeah. You're selling water to me because you're... Have you ever seen Smart Water, a bottle of Smart oh, yeah. Water? Of course. I, I've bought it in the past, not because of its branding, because I needed a bottle of water and it was available, but there we go. Did your IQ raise? Did you read 10 books when you got home? Did you feel, did you smartify yourself with this? I I I certainly (laughs) did not smartify myself, but you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And yeah, like if the people working in advertising listen to this podcast, you know, get in touch because it is an art form in some ways. And I respect what goes into it. Um, but yeah, I, Fraser, Fraser and Martin are correct here. Every, every advert is trying to sell you something. That's why they exist. And you know, if we if we monetize this podcast, which we're never going to do, um, there'd be adverts that you know try and try and sell people things, and it's just which you know, reminds me, I just need to read this. Um, this is from Pet Paradise. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, 
you can almost hear the words now from our friends at Pringles. Um, <laughs> uh, you try Martin... your German shepherd down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Martin talks about his time on Vice now, um, and of course, you know, leaves no subtlety to the imagination that a lot of a lot of women gave him attention at this time. They were hookers. Yes, thank you, Dad. Um, you know, he just kind of, <laughs> just keeps going, keeps going. Uh, Kenny comes back to 1901. He's back to get Frage. He respects what Frazier did, um, which I think is is nice, um, despite the fact that I do think Frazier was being slightly pedantic. But ultimately, Kenny is the one that gets the axe. And that's sad, and it's grim, and it's just kind of, that's what happens. Frazier's the big money. He's the big talent. Kenny isn't. And Joe Martin, Jose Martinez, just gets rid of him. And his wife is having twins, no less. What do you um, know? <laughs> what do you know? She's having twins. <laughs> he plays. He's almost got like a like a George Costanza vibe, although George is obviously, like all Seinfeld characters, far more manipulative and kind of <laughs> socially aware of their surroundings. Um, whereas Kenny is kind of a, a hapless Costanza-esque kind of figure of, of, of constant sorrow, um, which is, do, is really I... beautiful. I appreciate the line of, what do you know? She's having twins, followed by, look at the timing, just when I haven't got any insurance. <laughs> and I'll, I'll see you around. I'll see you around. <laughs> um, they go to the Black Tower, which I think is just outrageous. You know, the, the kind of the phrasing of this dark kind of monolith that they've got to go to where this kind of evil powers lurk. Um, and, and they meet Jose Martinez. And Frazier inadvertently convinces him to, to basically start a a spanish language music channel um i will become jose martinez risk taker um it's just <laughs> it's 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 a devastating end for those at kcl but i don't know what do you make of the ending here this is a season finale no less so you know what do we make of that i think i think i mean i love the part where he's going back into the boardroom for a start when he says no more talk and fraser goes no exactly he goes no no more talk from now on, KACL is all Latino music, 24 hours a day. <laughs> um, and it's funny you say about Seinfeld, actually, because I believe the actor, I don't know his name, I haven't written it down, the actor who plays Joe Martin, I believe is actually a shop owner in mm. um, in Seinfeld, in an episode, I think, where Seinfeld tries to pay with a duck check and he puts it up and tries to embarrass him. I think that's the episode, unless I'm thinking of the wrong person, but I'm sure it's him. Um, Sounds plausible, yeah, I mean, doesn't it, yeah. The the Black Tower, I mean, you know, does it have to be a tower? Is it, I mean, all offices, all radio stations. Does he not work in the radio station? What it's weird. Is the... it, are we to assume he's one of these kind of Rupert Murdoch types or Logan yeah. Roy types that owns multiple media franchises? Is that what we're so kind of thinking? Yeah, so, he, so he's up there owning satellite TV shows and, and channels and stuff like that. He's not, you know, he just owns this. It just mm. seems strange that they had to leave KACL, or did they? Because they take quite a lot of people with them. Who's actually on air at the time? Because you you have got Gil, you've got Ray the Greengrocer, Tootie, you've got, is it Judy? Um, I Sorry, I forget her surname, as Fraser says. You've got <laughs> Fraser, you've got Bulldog, you've got Ros, one of the producers. Who is actually at the station and what show is yeah, on at who's, this time? Who's because, running things? Yeah, they've all just walked out because they want to make this point. And, you know, and it just happens that Joe Martin's in a boardroom um, of which you see no one in there when he walks out. And there's no receptionist. <laughs> he just happens to wander out, look at his desk and walk back in again. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> odd scene that they just sort of thought, we'll just hire one actor. They don't need anyone else. That's all we need. 
Um, I do like the Black Tower, though. I think it's it's fun that they go somewhere that looks very corporate. Do you know what I mean? Very it does look very corporate. Yeah, I mean, you know, the security guards are all seven foot te- uh, seven foot tall. It's terrifying. Even more terrifying is that Gil wears an anklet. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. Really, really lovely. Um, but yeah, so the the episode ends. They're all fired, presumably, and and KCL is now Spanish Latino music all the time. On that note, Steve, is this in your top ten? Do you know what? It's not, but I must say that. It's probably, I know there's only 11 season finales. It's probably in my top, I want to say, three or four season finales. My Coffee with Niles is obviously one of them. Oh, um, yeah. And just to remind myself of the names, I don't say it wrong. Season three's finale is easy in my top 10. You can you go home again. One. I love that episode. Uh, yeah. So it's not going to be in my top three, but I think the top three, maybe four, maybe five, this mm. as a finale would, would be up there for me. I think it's actually quite a fun fun finale and, it, and it's it, it's just like you say it changes the dynamic you know everyone's fired what's going to happen next coincidentally this actually aired i believe in may that year that it aired on the same night that episode 23 did that we reviewed last week so they had a double mm. bill but they but they weren't part one and part two it was just one and then the next one in america they, they aired on the same evening so that's an hour's one 48 minutes worth of uh, fun to end a season for for frazier Oh, very very good but yeah I, I agree with everything you said there it's not in my top 10 but yeah in terms of season finales it's unorthodox slightly jarring nature is maybe maybe quite welcome at the point that we're at here in in the show um actor pick i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna break tradition i'm gonna i'm gonna give mine first um I'm, i've gone with kelsey i've gone with frage um mostly for that monologue about being middle-aged and about kind of feeling you know like life's passing him by and he used to be courageous i get i get a lot out of that I, this is a very frazier centric episode because it's about his ego and and the consequences of um but I do think he, he puts up a stellar performance here. Um, there's kind of comic relief, there's gravity where he needs it. Yeah, I've gone with Frage. I'm going to be controversial, I believe, two weeks running. I'm going to go for Dan Butler playing Bulldog again. I, I think love he's lying. I've never thought I'd... I mean, he's not even in it that much, but I think the whole mm. uh, one lump or two, ah, we'll splice it in. Yes, got it in <laughs> one take. The the anklet line and just things like that. I just I just think he's a lot of fun. Um, and I'm mm. not actually a massive, massive fan of Bulldog. He's not like one of my top three actors in the show. And obviously he is a reasonably small part. This was around Dan Butler's time as being more of a sort of season... Um, main character wasn't he uh bulldog was in a lot of the promo shots i think in season four and five um and then he fades out again going onwards but yeah I, i'm going with dan butler i love that very good indeed kendy burling on the ground uh what does he like on his pizza steve have you ever been invited to one of his infamous pizza parties and if so what was the what was the top of that italian bread kennedy is very very picky about this but he does like fusion so uh, I'll, I'll let you name the two places he likes to fuse, though. <laughs> I think he likes Indian food mixed with French cuisine. Um, I can't even comprehend what that must taste like, but Kennedy does have a palate far more refined than, than yours and mine combined. So we leave him to his own culinary form. He, he has been known to have uh, Brazilian Alaskan pizzas before, but yes, I know that one that you've named is more common. 
<laughs> that is more common in the Burling household. Uh, whose crane is it anyway? Is all that remains before we jump over to listener mail. And the word for you this week, Stephen, is automatum. Automatum. I'm going to guess Kenny. I hate to give you the ultimatum, Doc, but you either got to read it or you're fired. Random guess there, though. A perfectly, perfectly fine guess. It's actually Roz. Roz says we can't go over to the Black Tower and to Joe Martinez and give him an ultimatum. You know, he's the station owner, etc. Um, so, yeah, quite a, a, a unique word. Um, not like one that's going to come up in a lot of episodes. But, yeah, it's uh, it's Rosalinda. Uh, shall we jump over to Listener Mal? Yes, let's do that. Roz, who's our next caller? Okay, listen, Mal, this week, uh, we're once again going to Facebook, Instagram, Reddit. We're kind of getting into the 21st century of our new social media channels and trying to read out as much as we can from those who listen. Uh, Steve, I believe you've got a couple to read out. I've got a couple over on Facebook. We've got Alex that says, this episode is one of my faves, the first appearance of Kenny Daly. I love Kenny. Kelsey's eyes glancing directly into camera when he hears, I am not a man, kills me every time. Also, tossed salad and scrambled eggs in Espanol is fantastic. Um, I've also got Brendan over on Facebook that says, you'd think that after feeling so guilty about being like a Kentucky show horse and potentially ruining Daphne's life, Frage could have at least very least dressed down to this classic and equally depressing threadbare sweatshirt and ripped up jeans. Very, very good indeed. Um, <laughs> over on Reddit, we've got Cam Winston, of course. Hamish, uh, Hamish, Hamish. I call him because I call him <laughs> Ham Winston. I know how to pronounce your name, of course, Hamish. You beautiful, beautiful man. Uh, hi, lads! Another great podcast in Party Party, and it's amazing to think we are almost at the end of season five already. I'm looking forward to the live recap episode as I missed last season's. I'll ensure I have some live trivia for you as well once that time comes. Uh, last episode, you talked about what constitutes a best table at a restaurant. I think it's twofold, really. Firstly, on the diners and what they want. Privacy, window seat, facing a certain way. But also, I think it could depend on the restaurant itself. If it is a restaurant on a hill, for example, or a mountain, there will be a view side with lots of windows, I'd imagine. So that could be the side of the best tables. Or if there were a seafood restaurant with an aquarium inside, perhaps the best table is next to that. Just my thoughts. Steve, loved your little rant about presence and the expectation of a certain reaction. I think we have all had that before. I will say one thing. As a dad, socks are the best gift I can get. Sweet dreams, interesting episode, and neither here nor there for me, but still good nonetheless. I think it shows the side of Frasier that makes him look a little insecure and cowardly by fleeing the scene when Daphne gets arrested. Her delivery of sod off to him back in 1901 was superb. <laughs> Peace, lads, and as always, hashtag up the villa. Hammy, aka Cam Winston. Uh, next up, we have Ashley Two. Uh, good episode, as always, guys. Has Steve consciously giving up referencing something in the episode when introducing himself, or just not done it for the last few? Always enjoy that. Ashley Two, I will say, I didn't give up doing it. Um, sometimes I just can't find anything that is actually relevant enough, or I think <laughs> it's going to be funny enough. As you can tell from the start of this episode, it's back, and I actually was very proud of that one. Um, I might have messed it up a bit, but it was a good effort on it my part, good. I think. Uh, your discussion of the charades exchange, charades exchange, gave me an instant flashback to when you discussed it the last time they did it. I was talking around Buenos Aires, exploring the city, but alas, this time I was in the gym in Brum, so not quite the same. As to your discussion about waiting for people, I wonder how much has changed now we have mobiles. Back in the day, I could see maybe waiting around longer, but now if you got a message within 15 minutes, I assume they're not coming. 
Fraser always seemed to jump from meeting someone to be married in his head in minutes. In a way, it's endearing that he's always optimistic. In another, it's like you're a science you're a scientist, buddy. Surely you can spot a pattern. Congrats on the Google <laughs> ranking. Thank you very much. Very, very good. Uh, Big Bazoo says, hi guys, started listening to this podcast around two months ago and have just got to the end of season two's review and ready for season three to commence. I'm trying to get through as quickly as possible to be able to join the discussions as they happen. Loving it so far though. Key's bulldog impression, which I still have the audio file for, the... <laughs> Um, is my uh, is a personal highlight. Love the great trivia from everyone as well. Keeps me on my toes. Keep up the good work, guys. Love that shout out to the trivia masters there. Much deserved. I must admit, I like that username. Big Bazoo, I presume, is uh, a bit different from Fat Yap. So, uh... <laughs> uh, next up, Mystic Herbivore. Hi, guys. I just learned of this podcast about three weeks ago and I've been listening feverishly since. Just started your recap of season four and hopefully we'll catch up soon with long work days so I can listen and interact in real time. I know this comment is coming quite literally two years too late, but I feel this strongly about it. I really like the episode. The focus group is one of my favorite of season three. Love the podcast. Thank you for all you what you do. Absolutely lovely stuff. The uh, next is from someone whose username is Saturday Sun Four, and if if they're listening to this because um, they've just started to rewatch season one for the third time, they say, and listening to your podcast again as I slowly watch in order will take me a while to catch up to Party Party. They're not going to be able to answer this question for a very long time, but I want to know if their username is a reference to the Nick Drake song Saturday Sun because it is one of my favourite songs, um, and that's really beautiful. But thank you very much indeed. Do you want to finish with Mischief Night as you never really get to read out MKs? I always seem to get them. I, I would love to. Thank you, Steve. Uh, MK says, you guys bagged a trophy episode of the podcast. To me, the best seat in the house is if the seat has an incredible view or is otherwise near an artistic architectural feature that is peaceful or inspiring to be around during the meal. An example is at the San Diego Zoo. There's a restaurant in the lost jungle portion of the zoo called Albert's. If you're lucky, you'll get seated on the covered patio right next to an enchanting waterfall, which just makes the uh, the whole experience so serene. To me, that's a best scene in the house. Trivia and fun bits for Sweet Dreams. I've often wondered how much Sweet Dreams is a result of Season 1, Episode 19, uh, episode 9, Selling Out, as Steve mentioned earlier. In that episode, we see Frasier finding the line between professional integrity and the almighty dollar. I know Fraser's refusal to do the Sweet Dreams ad is fueled by what happens with Daphne, but how much does his rigidity stem from his experiences in selling out? One of my favourite lines of the series, Solidarity Brothers! <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Um, but thank you all so much for writing in on Reddit. Steve, is there anything over on Instagram or Facebook that we could be reading out? Uh, there was a few little comments when I asked on the stories just about, you know, sort of about this episode, what people thought. Uh, a lot of people said that the Spanish version of Tossed Salads at the end was a very nice touch. Uh, someone mm -hmm. mentioned Mahalo Valhalla. Excellent. Um, someone said, love this episode. The beginning of Fraser's speech, he gets to air, cracks me up. Um, again, another one, love the ending with the Spanish version of Tossed Salad and Scrambled Eggs. Frasier was truly a coward for abandoning Daphne, which I think a lot of people will agree with, including are we calling him Hamish now. Um, Hamish, Hamish mentioned that he is he is quite the uh, coward for doing that. And he someone is. did say that actually the very vital comment: Daphne would have lost her green card for what Frasier did. Obviously, being arrested in a country um, that she's still looking to uh, try and live in permanently wasn't a good move. Um, no, it was not. Yeah, Frasier really did land up in the crap there. 
He did very good indeed. Um, there's a couple of other Instagram story replies that I'm just going to read out. So one from Alex Book. So Alex has actually been a listener to the podcast for pretty much since we started. Um, I believe Alex and I are Goodreads friends. Um, he's just been listening to the show for years. Um, so just so lovely, Alex, that you're, you're still tuning in. Uh, he says, I love this bit. Uh, this is Mahalo Valhalla. But the pedant in me is always bothered by it because Scan- Polynesia and Scandinavia are not countries, as you said earlier, uh, mm. Steve. Like Fraser says, they're subregions uh, that are compromised of, oh, sorry, comprised of multiple countries. But the writers get a pass from me because the name of the restaurant and DHP's delivery are so great. And he signs off with, off I go. Very good indeed. Um, <laughs> Alistair Green says, uh, a couple of thoughts. Is it odd to introduce a new character, Kenny, who will last until the end in a season finale? Was the plan for him to just be a guest as he got fired? The Kentucky show horse line must be my top five quoted lines of the entire show. <laughs> Do you think Frasier, right or wrong, to take a stand over the Happy Dreams tea ad? Given the amount of medical ads on radio and telly, a disclaimer would have been commonplace. It's very true. The disclaimer's kind of his get-out-of-jail-free card here, but even that seems too morally compromising for him. Uh, Finally, a quick trivia question. How many protest signs do you think there were? Have you looked at this answer, Steve? Can you remember the answer? Dear God, I didn't even really look at how many there was. Um... 13, 14, around 22, 22. But Alistair does say he awaits confirmation from our trivia experts. So if anyone does want to query that, they may. Um, Well, I will will ask Corey and Niall for that. Corey and Niall are definitely the people to uh, confirm that. One is a trivia master, obviously, Corey. And Niall is the man for anything visual. So I'm probably sure he's probably got a count for those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But... So, so lovely to hear from so many of you across so many different channels. Um, as you will be well aware, our next episode will be the live season recap. We will be doing everything in our power to get myself, Steve and Key all in the same Zoom together um, and getting as many of you involved as possible. There'll be trivia. There'll be general good spirits. We'll be kind of reviewing maybe our top five and bottom five. Um, We might be kind of reviewing the format a little bit to keep it as interesting as possible for all of you. Uh, But if there's anything you'd like to see in the season finale, get in touch. So we're on Instagram at FraserPod. We're the same on Twitter. We're at Facebook. We're listening at Fraser Podcast. Uh, get in touch. Follow us. Let us know what you'd like to see, and we will accommodate as best we can. Anything to add on that end, Steve? No, I think you've covered all of that there, Will. Perfect. Uh, well, other than that, I've been Will. And I am not a man. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to We're Listening. Hoy que de nuevo están llamando ensaladas sin sensatez. Quizás yo parezca confundido, quién sabe, pero así no es. Ya yo no sé qué hacer con las ensaladas insensatez. Llaman otra vez. Adiós.